0: Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place.
1: Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going
0: on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All
1: right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us again today. Hey, please give us a visit at ConsumerGuide.com. Be sure to check out our 2020 Best Buy picks. The list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or crossover. You will also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide, plus a bunch of of auto-related fun stuff. And if you've missed an episode or two, again, unforgivable, you can stream back episodes of the Car Stuff podcast right there on our homepage. All right, let's see who is online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk and the driving force behind the Drive She Said blog. She is Jill Simonillo. Hey, Jill. Hello. How are you?
2: I am tired. Tired. That's I am. Yes. Why are you tired? <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like, uh, you know, everything that can go wrong will go wrong lately. Uh, The latest of which was I was filming video yesterday and dropped my phone and it is completely shattered. And I keep cutting myself Uh, as I'm trying to swipe. So, uh, yeah, I'm tired.
1: (laughs) So our goal, our goal of this podcast is to send you seeking information on your phone and to see if you mentioned blood.
2: Uh, Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, Yeah, you could probably get a really good um, blood sugar test right now from my from my my fingertips is, is what I'm saying. So, yeah, I have I have a date with Apple later today.
1: A date with Apple.
2: Yes. All right.
1: He is the senior editor here at Consumer Guide Automotive. He is president of the Midwest Automotive Media Association. And per his HR profile, he has never seen Wrath of Khan. Welcome, Damon Bell.
3: That's true, and I apologize for that, Tom. That seems given that you're the Star Trek fan that you are, um, I'm surprised that you haven't uh forced me to watch that movie.
1: I I, I would argue I have forced you to and you've resisted.
3: <laughs> I I I really need to. You've you've yeah. you've talked it up so much over the years though that I've got pretty high expectations. So of of um, all
1: the influences in my life, Wrath of Khan constitutes twenty percent <laughs> 20% of total influences on my life. That,
2: that, that's a high percent.
1: It is. Uh, and it's, it's drifting towards 21. I'll let you know if it changes yeah. during the show. Damon, the All other right. note in your HR file, Damon uses Splenda. I don't know why that's there. That's
3: that's not true. That's not true. Not true. All right. No. I, I, just really quick, I have a question for Jill. So it, <laughs> will that screen be able to be replaced? I, I'm right. not up on like current smartphone uh (laughs) or do you or do you have to just get a whole new
2: or do they have some
3: special apple proprietary saran wrap that uh Uh, costs a hundred dollars per square foot like
2: uh no i think it's gonna have to be completely replaced
1: uh okay All right kids after the first break we talked to Yuval steiman Yuval is the director of product strategy for the strategy for the hyundai and premium genesis brands Yuval is going to share with us the details of hyundai's new ionic sub brand you don't want to miss this conversation and if you want to go back and check about our conversation uh regarding this that was episode i think 43 where we we guessed about this stuff and if you guys might remember Jill suggested that the the ionic subbrand was going to include blimps, dirigibles, and zeppelins, <laughs> and you, Damon, suggested submarines and kitchen appliances, um, and I said that it was going to be electric vehicles. So we'll see who's right.
3: Uh, well, we'll have to go back to the tape because uh, yeah. that's all on tape, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and you listen to that tape to to hear that again, right?
1: Yeah, and I I, I think I probably won this. Were one. you? A,
3: were you awake at the time?
1: <laughs> <laughs> just just wondering. Blimps, dirigibles, and zeppelins, all three. Uh, what's the difference between them? I don't know. The spelling? <laughs> okay. Probably the price. Doesn't a zeppelin sure. sound expensive? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Damon? Yes. Nissan. Nissan made some noise this week
3: they did uh just uh tuesday evening i believe they took the wraps off um something they've been teasing for a while and that's the z proto concept um now that's the proto means prototype and z should be familiar to anybody who's familiar with nissan that's their uh long-running sports car so the z proto is uh, a concept, but I think a very thinly designed, uh, I'm sorry, thinly disguised version of a next generation production Z sports car.
1: Yeah, no, I had protozoa written down. That's wrong, obviously.
3: <laughs> that is wrong. You got uh, things transposed. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, th- but it's it, it, interesting for a, a number of reasons, and, you know, we've had the conversation uh you and i've had the conversation that and it's no secret that sports cars are not the strongest market segment as as things shift uh, have shift and have shifted and continue to shift toward SUVs and many of the recent sports cars uh that are you know in that say $30,000 to $50,000 accessible range uh the manufacturers that have introduced those have teamed up with other automakers Case in point would be the latest generation Miata. Uh, there was the Fiat 124 Spyder to, uh, mm-hmm. that they shared development. And, and then also the uh, Toyota, what is now called the Toyota 86 and the Subaru BRZ. That's a partnership between Toyota and Subaru. So interesting that Nissan is uh, going it alone uh, with this uh, new Z car.
1: It's, it's interesting that they're going it alone. It's also interesting that they're doing this at all. Because as you pointed out, there's no money in this. If you take out the the American Heritage pony car vehicles, the Camaro, uh, the Challenger, and the Mustang, all of which sell still reasonably well, no other little sportster sells well at all. The BRZ was 1,000 units so far this year, the 86-1300, and the 370Z itself, uh, about 1,300 units. So clearly, clearly, Nissan thinks that this is an important part of its heritage and its halo. Um, and it needs to bring this car back.
3: Yeah, and and uh, they're they're doubling down on that too. Uh, it's it's interesting that in 2020 this is a cause for celebration, but it's notable that Nissan is offering, or, or certainly the production vehicle will have this, and that is a manual transmission, which amazingly is not a given in a sports car anymore. Right. Uh, the new Toyota Supra doesn't have it. The new Corvette doesn't have it. Um, it it's Sales of manual transmissions have been falling uh, steadily over the past decade or so. And it's to the point now where uh, it's almost that we can see the possible end of the manual transmission in sight. So it's notable that Nissan is sticking uh, to that uh, practice of offering a manual transmission in this new z
1: yeah and correct me if i'm wrong they're talking about an engine here um a three liter twin turbocharged engine which is probably borrowed from the infinity red sport products right Um, right and and that it's never been mated to a manual transmission before so they're actually spending a little money to put this car together also because it used to be a normally aspirated 3.7 liter v6 as the engine this engine's gonna cost more. I think we're looking at a Z car now that's gonna cost a lot more money than the one we we know and well, sort of remember right now.
3: Yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's, um, I've seen speculation, uh, it would make a lot of sense that they would target the Toyota Supra. Um, so I think it will be more than the uh, outgoing Z, which uh, is a very long in the tooth vehicle. Um, right. I think we are gonna see it uh, probably popularly equipped in that low 40K range, I would guess. There's also speculation um, that based on the uh, fact that it will probably have that Infinity engine, which as you mentioned in that Red Sport tune, uh, that is a 400 horsepower engine. This production version of the Z will very likely be called the 400Z. And so one quick point about that, a Z car with 400 horsepower. Uh, yeah. If you'll, re- and, and that is kind of p- almost par for the course now, and it just makes me think of the introduction of the first Dodge Viper way back in 1992. That was 400 <laughs> horsepower, and that was considered a monster world beater car uh, with a 10 sil- with a V10 engine. Now we've got a V6 that makes 400 horsepower. <laughs>
1: Jill, you wanted to say something?
2: Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely wanted to remark about the fact that this was a um, manual transmission. I, that was immediately the thing that jumped out at me. Um, so I totally agree with you guys that it's it's cool and, and weird and unusual, and I hope it certainly makes it into production. But can we talk about the design? Am I the only sure. one here that, that, that thinks this looks a little bit creepy? Creepy? Creepy. I think it looks creepy. Um, I mean that from the side, the side profile looks really good, but, but when you look at the headlights, it makes me think of actual eyes and I just keep expecting <laughs> it to blink at me.
3: <laughs> I, I I like it. I like, I like that. It's, it, it's clean. Um, I've seen some discussion of the grill being a little overwrought, but overall I like that. It's not that, that the there's. Some fairly organic shapes, and it's not too aggressive. We should also mention, too, uh, I think Nissan is loath to say retro design, but there are plenty right. of uh, not tips of the cap to previous generation Z cars. The one that's most interesting to me is the taillights, and that is mm-hmm. a clear uh, tip of the cap to the 300 ZX of the yeah. early 90s, I believe. So that it's interesting that early 90s is now long enough ago that that's a oh heritage gosh. design cue
2: it's it's <laughs> classic
1: yeah, I think we can attribute Jill's anthropomorphizing the uh, <laughs> car to the blood loss related to her broken phone.
2: That, that could be. That could be. But, I mean, I, the, it's just a very striking and, – and maybe I'll warm up to it. But, I mean, the whole front profile is just very striking with the grill and then the eyes uh, or headlights. I'm, I'm like – I just – they look like eyes. They really look like eyes to me. But, no, I, I, I it's very no. striking, very unusual. And and when you first like when you first look at the grill, it it makes me think of the GTR a little bit, but then you look at the 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 headlights, and it just I, I don't know, it's just something that's a little bit weird.
1: Okay, I we'll think see. We all... And
3: I again, <laughs> go, I think the I think the production we we I do believe that this is a very thinly disguised production intent right. vehicle. Yeah. So we'll obviously some see some changes probably not that many though it's my personal opinion that when you see a brand new vehicle design for the first time it's actually it actually might be a good thing if you're a little uncomfortable and it's a little weirded out because mm-hmm. you're a little weirded out by it because then that means that they've pushed it uh to uh, to a proper degree that you know, once you see it and you get more used to it and it's out in the world, a good automotive design should push the envelope a little. If you're 100% comfortable with something the first time you see it, then it might already be old hat by the time yeah. uh, it's out in the street. One other uh, good point. Back one other uh, heritage touch that I noticed on this concept vehicle that uh, really jumped out at me because I'm a fan of uh, the muscle car era uh, white letter tires there are there are nissan z uh there's nissan z lettering on the tires of this and it just made me think of like the good old days of the late 60s and very early 70s where you had the goodyear polyglass gt tires that was kind of standard equipment on muscle cars of the day um and i've seen that uh kind of burble up again in in japanese aftermarket uh tuner vehicles so i think it's an interesting detail that they've added it's a little weird that it's the, the name of the car and not the brand of the mm-hmm. tire an interesting touch on the uh concept vehicle this z proto i don't think that's going to make it to production but who no. knows
1: i if we're talking about influences on my life uh if- <laughs> If Wrath of Khan got 20%, then the 1979 (laughs) Pontiac Trans Am gets 15%. (laughs) And and that car made wonderful use of raised white letter tires. So I think that uh, that's pretty cool too. Also, we can thank our lucky stars and the designer of this vehicle that there's a particular phrase that is not used in this press release at all. And do you know what (laughs) that is? Mm, I should, but I don't. V motion. We are not discussing uh, yeah. Nissan's trademark V-Motion grill, which, uh, you know, uh, I've had enough of the V-Motion grill. I'll be honest.
3: Uh, oh, really? Huh. I, I don't know. It's, it's I mean, evolved nicely.
1: It looks just fine. I'm sick of styling elements being branded. It's really my problem.
3: Yeah. yeah. And again, the you know, the uh, the a, a given brand's sports cars, they always kind of set a... A distance apart from the rest of the model lineup, you wouldn't want the grill that's on the, you know, Nissan Rogue on the Z car, just as just like you wouldn't right. want a Traverse grill on a Corvette. So, uh, they're usually <laughs> they're usually their own thing, and they also have their own heritage to uh, subscri- uh, adhere to as well. So,
1: okay, I read this stuff too, but do you guys remember when we might actually see a production car?
3: They haven't said. I oh, okay. uh, speculation is is that it, no. it could be 2021 uh as a 2022 model and that seems that seems fairly likely to me. Okay, so we
1: yeah. probably will see something late next year that is probably called 400Z. It probably won't sell well, but it will probably <laughs> be very cool.
2: <laughs> I
3: wish-
1: All right, that all sounds good. All right, kids, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we speak to Yuval Steinman of uh, Hyundai to talk about the all new Genesis brand. I'm not Genesis, I'm sorry, the Ionic brand. (laughs) um...
0: Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All
1: right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide. Thank you for sticking around. Hey, this is the part of the show where I strongly recommend you follow me on Twitter. I am car guy Tom. that is car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. Hey, guys, I don't know if you saw this, but I had a banner, a banner week on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I, saw, I saw a Studebaker Avanti and a Volvo 262C Bertone in the same week uh, near each other. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the car spotter hashtag on Twitter. You want to see that stuff. All right. We are here today with the director of product strategy for the Hyundai brand. This guy has a resume you wouldn't believe. He has been the Land Rover market analyst, the Lexus market intelligence manager, and the national manager of Lexus product marketing. But he's here today to talk to us about Hyundai and their new Ionic brand. Please welcome to the show, Yuval Steinman.
0: How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for being here, Yuval. Um, you guys have been making a lot of noise there at Hyundai, and I think the most recent bit of noise, noise is, is probably the most interesting. Um, we did a bunch of speculating a couple of shows back, and if anyone wants to check it out, that was episode 43, about Hyundai's new Ionic sub-brand, which is going to be exclusively electric vehicles, and we did all sorts of bad guessing
0: about what that
1: is. <laughs> so, if you can do us a favor, set us straight and, and tell us about this.
0: Absolutely, no. Um, as you as you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we had um, had a big announcement about the introduction of this Ionic subbrand, um, and that's exactly what it is—a subbrand. These are going to be Hyundai vehicles with the Ionic badge. There's going to be a family of these dedicated battery electric vehicles built on an all new platform and really at a, at a kind of a high level, it's really meant to um, signal and symbolize the company's focus and dedication to electrification. Um, You know, we we've put out some lofty goals on how many we want to sell globally um, in the next few years and long-term, but on a more kind of uh, product level, we announced three dedicated EVs that will be coming out over the next few years. The first one we're calling Ionic 5, kind of a midsize SUV. Um, um, then Ionic 6, which will be a very um, kind of stylish sedan. And then a large SUV, the Ionic 7.
1: So talk about, and, and I think this is fascinating. I'm kind of a student of marketing, or I was at one point in my life. I, I love that. Th- you guys have decided to do this. Why is it necessary for there to be a sub brand to define the electric products? Does this make it easier for you to market, easier for the public to understand what you're doing?
0: Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's really, um, these are unique. Like I mentioned, an all new platform built um, exclusively for these products. They are gonna be different than you know the rest of our lineup. So I think having this name, which as you know, already exists in in our first family of Ionic vehicles. Um, Carrying it over to these models just kind of emphasizes that this is something special, this is something different within the lineup. But like I said, there's still Hyundais. So you'll be able to go into a Hyundai showroom and these will be uh, sold alongside our core products.
2: So the one point of clarification, and just so we can officially spell this out and make sure everybody understands, this is not, Ionic is not, like as to Hyundai as Genesis is to Hyundai. So you'll get a Hyundai IONIQ 5, not just an IONIQ 5.
0: Exactly. Is that correct? That's, you know, okay. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked that because that has been a question we've gotten a lot. Um, Genesis is a separate brand. They're going to be in their own showrooms. Um, you know, it's, this is part of the Hyundai family. But it's a sub brand. So a good analogy is like we have our N brand vehicles. Those are considered sub brands. Mm-hmm. That's probably a good uh-huh. comparison.
2: Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. Like, that was one of the things we speculated about a lot about is like, is it Ionic, which will be completely separate, like Genesis, or but now so it will have a Hyundai logo, it'll be in the Hyundai uh dealerships and it'll just be like the Hyundai Ionic five.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Hyundai's okay. but a little bit a little bit unique under the Hyundai umbrella.
1: So quick question for you then. We've talked about or you mentioned the 5 6 and 7 and I guess we'll see those in those orders and I and I want to get back to those vehicles but what happens to the current Ioniq?
0: We're still selling it and we still plan on selling it. Um, you know it came out I think 2016 and that was unique in its own right as as you guys I'm sure know it was uh-huh. Kind of the first vehicle had three powertrains. We had a a dedicated EV, a hybrid, and a plug-in, and we continue to have those today. So that'll um, you know continue continue to be sold under the Hyundai brand.
1: Now, you guys have suggested, or, or I think you all you were quoted as saying that that Ionic will not include hybrids or plug-in hybrid vehicles. It'll just be pure electric vehicles. Will there be other Hyundai models that might be hybrid or or uh, plug-in hybrid?
0: Absolutely. I mean, we have, for example, Sonata Hybrid. Um, you guys are probably aware the, the global reveal of the new Tucson was earlier this week, and they uh-huh. talked about hybrids and plug-ins for that model. So, um, you know, electrification is, is in our future. Um, it's going to be pure EV on this new EV platform for these Ionic vehicles, but it's going to be throughout the whole lineup in a variety of ways.
1: Interesting. Damon and I have spent some time talking offline about the, the nature and, and, and purpose of branding things electric and how this is an interesting transitional period. Now, these brands may not last that long, depending on how quickly we embrace electric vehicles and entire product lines become electric. Do you see the Ionic brand as something of, of just a, a stair step or do you think it has uh, legs to last a long time?
0: No, we're, we're committed to this brand, and again, these, are just, these vehicles are just the beginning. And again, it's, it's, it's meant to um, symbolize the direction of the of company in a way, kind of at a high level. But I think you make a good point. I think there is value in separating a little bit because we are in a transition, and um, I think people need to understand that these vehicles are unique, and, and the branding is one way to communicate that.
1: Can you walk us through the five, six, and seven? Tell us a little bit about those vehicles and, and when we might start seeing those in showrooms.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so the five, as I mentioned, uh, classifying it as as midsize SUV, I think the the rough footprint is you know the Tucson size. Um, the, we had a concept that debuted, I think it was last year. Um, at an auto show called the 45 concept, and you're going nice. to see a lot of styling cues from that concept in the Ionic 5. Uh-huh. Um, and that's um, I believe we announced it's going to it's going to launch next year. Um, uh, Ionic 6 is, is the year after that. And we had a concept earlier this year um, called Prophecy. A very is, kind of. That exciting. is a great looking car. Yeah, it got, it got a lot of great buzz, a very exciting concept. So you're going to see cues from that in the Psyonix 6. And a little bit later, I don't think we've announced exact timing, the Psyonix 7. And um, that's, that's going to be we're calling a large SUV. Um, so that'll really be something to round out, this first set of vehicles. Um, and I think are really going to um, hit at the market. As you know, in the United States, those kind of, of crossovers are very, very popular.
1: Can you talk a little bit about the buying experience for electric car buyers? Clearly, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems clear that that electric car shoppers are different than conventional car shoppers, at least right now. I think they're still safely categorized as as early adopters. what what is it you're doing with your dealers to get them ready for this and will there be separate parts of the showroom that are dedicated to this will every dealer get an ionic franchise if it is a franchise or be selling those vehicles and and then finally what are you doing about distribution
0: nationally so no that's that's a very good question i mean as i mentioned these are going to be hyundai's so they will be seen um, nationally in, in hyundai dealerships but the dealers do need to be uh, ready to sell these. Obviously, there's unique things you need to do to sell electric vehicles. First and foremost, you have to be very familiar with the technology and what these cars offer versus conventional vehicles. And obviously, the the dealership itself needs to have its um, kind of level of infrastructure to charge and things like that. Um, as I mentioned, we are in a we are in a transition and. You can say these people are early adopters, but in some parts of the country, I mean, I'm out here in California. Uh-huh. There's a lot of EVs on the road, so that transition is maybe moved a little bit quicker. So I think I think it's going to be we're going to get to a point where people are just going to realize yes, it's electric. It, it has a lot of unique characteristics, but ultimately, it's going to meet my needs. Um, it's fun to drive, and it just so happens to be. To be green and clean so uh, I think really that's fundamentally it. these cars are going to meet the needs of customers
1: so you're talking about being out in California and I guess in that market um, there are people buying their second or third EV now aren't there yes absolutely definitely that's an interesting thought to consider um, so the ionic brand will be available at all Hyundai dealerships then
0: You know, I don't think we've announced the exact footprint. I think you take our current EV, the Kona, for example. Right now, we are selling it mostly um, out here on the West Coast and a lot of states on the East Coast. And as we get more availability, it's really been a supply issue. We're going to roll it out nationally. So I think ultimately for these vehicles, um, it's going to be based on how much supply and, and funneling that supply to where there's the most demand. But I think you're going to see it sooner rather than later everywhere, because we do think this is something that there's demand for uh, in all parts of the country. It may vary a little bit. They may be higher in California than other parts, but you know, and I think there's going to be big changes in even the next three or four years.
1: Right now. And I, Forgive me if I've missed this, with the Kona um, and the Ionic EV, have you guys partnered with any charging networks, and are you intending to make any announcements in the near future about partnering with something like Electrify America or something like that for owners?
0: We we haven't partnered with anyone, and I don't really have anything to announce at this point.
1: Interesting. So tell us a little bit about what you know about EV buyers because of, of the, the Kona. The Kona EV is a blast to drive, and we don't see many of them here in the Chicago area. But have you learned much about the nature of those shoppers and what it is they're looking for?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we study our buyers. We study buyers of, you know, our competitive competitors' EVs. And, you know, I think in the beginning, early on, you can probably guess a lot of the motivation is, you know, the clean um, right. these people are, are, you know, quote unquote green and are very concerned about the environment, but I think we're already seeing this transition where they see that they're good commuting cars. Um, they're, they're fun to drive. They have great acceleration. So I think you're seeing the purchase reasons evolve from just this purely, um, you know, I want a car that has zero emissions to something that is, um, not only green, but meets the needs of my life. Um, I drive a Coney EV, and it's you know it's clean, it's fast, it's very it's very fun to drive. It's practical. It's a small SUV, so it you know I have two kids. I carry them around all the time, so it just kind of does everything. And th- and that's what we're seeing. They're 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 fitting the needs of kind of everyday people's life.
2: Well, and I have a, a couple questions for you on charging. Um, so, like, first, um, can, you, can you tell everybody whether you will be using the CCS or the Charimo, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, charging <laughs> capability?
0: Um, I believe the, we're going to be using kind of the, the, the industry standard, um, the, the same one we're using for Cone EV and our other and ionic EV right now.
2: Okay, so that that makes sense. And then are because you're moving towards um, an all-electric um, sub-brand, will you then also offer people – because I know some automakers do this where when they buy the Ionic, they can – for $600 or something like that, they can have you um, – you you will also install like a Level 2 charger. Um, yeah, will they so be able partnered- to do that for you?
0: Uh, uh, sorry, didn't mean I don't mean interrupted. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, so we we've partnered. Um, you know, you can go on our website and uh, you know with Amazon Home Services. So we don't do the installation. I mean, the the local installer, but they'll connect the buyers to uh, an installer in their area. So we anticipate um, that continuing. I think a lot of people now, especially you know, in places like California, um, people charge either primarily at home or at mm-hmm. work. Although we do think the, the, the network and the infrastructure is becoming increasingly important, but absolutely you'll be able to connect to an installer and put in a Level 2 charger in your house.
2: Very cool.
1: Yuval, uh, real quick, we have three vehicles coming. You guys anticipate making uh, more noise soon. There's probably an electric compact crossover on the way. And, and further, what, what does this mean for, like, the Kona? Will that stay a separate Hyundai model, or will you be doing a replacement for that under the Ionic banner?
0: Uh, So we haven't, you know, beyond those three models, we we said there's more coming. We haven't announced anything specifically, but um, Kona Kona will continue on. Um, We're really happy with with all models of Kona, the the conventional gas model and the EV. So you should expect to see that in your Hyundai showrooms and. Um, you know, it's a it's a great little crossover that I think has really hit the heart of the market.
1: Yeah, I think it has, too. So, dealers, um, I guess this is market by market, but what are the biggest markets right now for the Kona EV? There's obviously California, and I guess D.C. is probably popular.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, out here, um, as you can imagine, California, Oregon, um, and on the East Coast, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, D.C., um, those are primarily the markets that we sell it in, but we do see um, demand elsewhere, and we anticipate increased distribution as we get more. I mean, it's, as you know, it's, it's a global vehicle, um, so there's demand in Europe and in Korea, all over the world for this. So we're, we're kind of clamoring for our share of the production, and the more we get, the more we'll distribute throughout the U.S.,
1: excellent this show is broadcast in chicago and sometimes you hear chicago mentioned as an ev market and sometimes not do you have a feel for how well the kona sells here
0: so i think the kona itself does very well um, i'm sorry the kona EV, I don't know if, uh, me. yeah we're so we're, currently we're not distributing it in illinois i don't believe um my guess is uh if you look at registrations probably a few have trickled out there somehow but I think if you look at um, EVs in general, I think Chicago is a great area where we see opportunity.
1: Well, you've we have run out of time, but we appreciate you sharing this information with us uh, uh, today. We uh, we obviously had all sorts of questions about the uh, the Ionic brand, and I think you've answered them. Um, anything else going on on Hyundai you want to tell us about, real quick?
0: Uh, there's a lot going on. Um, I do appreciate you guys having me. I, I, I think I mentioned the big news this week was the Tucson Global Reveal. Uh, we're very excited about that. It's it's a beautiful um, car. So a lot a lot of good news for for Hyundai. So thanks for having me.
1: No, it's always a pleasure. All right, Yuval, thank you for joining us. That was Yuval Steiman of Hyundai, uh, talking all about the Ionic brand. We're going to take a break. A break, and we're going to be right back thanks
0: welcome back to the consumer guide car stuff podcast
1: all right we're back this is the consumer guide car stuff podcast and i am tom appell publisher of consumer guide automotive thanks for hanging around hey jill hey what jill you're on ping friendster and yik yak uh tell us how we can find you there (laughs)
2: yak, that's a new one. Um, yeah, I am going to have to. One. Oh, that's I was like, I'm going to have to go get on that because I have never heard of it before. Um, no, I am on uh, all of the the various and sundry social media, and I typically just use my name because I am the only Jill Simonello that currently exists. So you can find me um, Jill Simonello, all one word: J I L L C I M I N I L L O. And uh, if there is ever another Jill Simonello, I will still be unique. I'd just like to put that out there. And I've managed to grab all the the social media handles. So so sad for whoever might follow after me.
1: <laughs> wow, that that almost sounds vindictive. Uh, it Vindu-
2: didn't mean to be invid- vindictive. And
1: you don't know you don't know who your nemesis is yet.
2: Uh, No, I do not know who my nemesis is. Though I do have to say, and I don't know if it's because of this show or I'm just awesome, um, I have gotten uh, a couple new followers on Twitter recently, so I just want to say thank you for for giving me a follow. I usually talk mostly car stuff.
1: I suspect it's not the awesome thing, so yeah.
2: (laughs) It's totally because of the show, so thank you.
1: Uh, Damon, you are only available on Friendster.
3: Tell us about it. (laughs) Uh, Friendster, Friendster. I don't know what Friendster is.
2: I actually think oh. I know I what... Have an account there.
3: Oh, huh. huh. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> no, I am on. I am on Twitter, and my Twitter. handle is Damon Bell likes cars. All
1: right, so people should uh, follow both Jill and Damon these various sundry social media. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Guess what time it is, kids? Quiz time? It is quiz time. And I appreciate, I appreciate the elevated level <laughs> of excitement that uh, I have a good quiz for you today. Hey, the Carstuff Power <laughs> Quiz is sponsored by Tom Appel on Twitter for fun. On Twitter, <laughs> follow Tom. <laughs> Damon, remind me to bill me for that.
3: Ten uh, You to bill yourself? Yeah, that's 282 bucks for that sponsorship. Uh-huh. Okay. Does that go into like an escrow account or something, or? I
1: don't know. I think I literally moved it from my pocket to my wallet. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. It is quiz time. Today's quiz is base prices. I hope you guys oh. are ready. Okay. All right. Um, Jill, you go first.
2: All right. You're you're actually keeping track. You didn't ask us who's going I first. I'm I'm super I'm impressed.
1: Going to, I'm going to be more responsible about this moving forward. <laughs> Jill, which of the following is less expensive? Is it the Cadillac Escalade ESV Luxury mm-hmm. or the Porsche Panamera?
2: Ooh. That's the, very base,
1: that's the base, base Porsche Panamera.
2: Base, base. Uh, base, base. That very disparate vehicles there. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, and you're asking me which is more expensive?
1: Least. I need least, least expensive. expensive. Uh-huh. I'm going to
2: say that the Panamera is least expensive.
1: All right. Damon, the same question to you.
3: Uh, is the Escalade the 2021? I should have <laughs> said that both. These are both 2020
1: vehicles. 2020. 2020.
3: And sorry, give me the, the – it's base, Panamera, and then Escalade. What's the Escalade trim level? It is Cadillac
1: Escalade ESV Luxury, and that would be two-wheel drive if it matters. <sighs>
3: i know that those are super expensive so i think i'm gonna agree with jill and say, and say pan and say panamera is the cheap no
1: but it is close the cadillac cool. is eighty five thousand ninety dollars the panamera oh. is eighty eight thousand five hundred and fifty uh the score is zero zero
2: <laughs> mm. okay we All are right. off to a great start
1: hey damon yes following is less expensive is it the honda accord touring two liter or the honda ridgeline sport all-wheel drive so Mm -hmm. that is the top line accord Mm -hmm. or a fairly base um ridgeline with all-wheel drive
3: wow that's a good question ah i oh boy i'm gonna go against my gut and oh boy i i'll go against my gut and say the accord i know Is, that pickup trucks are expensive. Expensive. okay right
1: joe yeah. same question to you
2: and and i have the opposite opposite gut reaction so i i will do the opposite as well and i will say the the pickup truck the Ridgeline.
1: Okay, you're going to be annoyed by how close this one is. The Accord is thirty-seven thousand three hundred and thirty-five dollars. The Ridgeline Sport All-Wheel Drive thirty-seven two hundred and sixty. Jill gets a point.
3: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> by a nose. Should have right, gone well. with my gut.
1: Jill, this one should be super easy.
2: Uh, Jill, <laughs> which, which of the it's following? Not going to be
1: easy. Which of the following is less expensive? The. 2004 Cadillac XLR at retail or the 2020 Cadillac Corvette Z50. I'm no, sorry. Just the base Cadillac 2020 uh, <laughs> Chevrolet Corvette. I'm sorry. I wrote so, Cadillac. I'm messing myself up.
2: So you're saying the 2020 Corvette yeah. versus the 2004 XLR.
1: That's what I'm saying.
2: Oh, oh. that is sneaky and mean. Um. Okay, so for those people who don't know, the XLR was um, that convertible hardtop convertible Cadillac. Yes. That and it it was based on the Corvette platform, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was built Um, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, alongside um, the Corvette. Yeah, two
2: thousand four though. Two thousand four money, and you're asking for which is least expensive. I am. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the 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 base. 2020 Corvette is less expensive than the 2004 XLR. All
3: right, Damon. I'm sorry, what was the trim level of the XLR? It's just a base you... XLR, it's not the V. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to agree with Jill and say that the Corvette is cheaper, the base you, base Corvette.
1: You guys both get a point. The Corvette mm-hmm. starts this year at 59995. And even if you added the $5,000 Z51 package, which I think every one of them is going to have,
2: Mm -hmm. it comes Mm -hmm. in less than
1: the 2004 XLR, which listed for $76,200. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I
2: I thought the XLR was expensive and and the Corvette, like nobody's going to get the base Corvette. I don't even know if they're making them actually. Uh, But yeah. Okay. I,
1: I would be surprised if they've built one yet. Yeah. All right, the score is two to one in Jill's favor. This question goes to Damon. Damon, which of the following is less expensive? Was it the 1982 Lincoln Mark VI Pucci edition <laughs> or the 2020 Mazda 3 sedan with automatic?
3: Mazda 3 sedan. Hmm.
1: Actually, automatic is standard on the base Mazda 3 sedan.
3: You said the Lincoln, you said 1982?
1: 1982 mark six pucci edition
2: It <laughs> rhymes ah. with gucci
1: well it's it is a designer it was named for emilio pucci
3: boy 82 was so long ago and that three has has ratcheted up uh the price i think i'm gonna say that lincoln was cheaper the Lincoln was cheaper. Okay, Jill.
2: I know Mazda 3 has ratcheted up the price, but it still hasn't grown up that much. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to say the the Mazda 3 is cheaper.
1: Oh, Jill, Jill, you're going to you're pulling away now.
2: Oh. Ah!
1: The Lincoln was $23,465 in 1982. The Mazda is $22,445. Mm. Jill has a commanding three-to-one lead. Drat. And this question goes to Jill. Jill. Yes. Jill, which of the following is less expensive? The Nissan Altima S or the Kia Optima LX? In both cases, it's the cheapest possible version of those cars. The Altima or the Optima? That sounds like a... Yeah, both begin and end with a vowel, which is weird.
3: That's, that sounds like that, that David Letterman Oscars joke, uh, Oprah, Uma, Uma, Oprah, Optima, <laughs> Ultima, Ultima, Optima.
2: <laughs> oh, man. This is, a, this is a tough one because I feel like Kia's prices have gone way up. And mm. and Nissan prices have kind of held a little bit steady. So once upon a time, I would have said the Ultima was more expensive and the Optima was less expensive, but I just—I've been kind of surprised by IKEA's pricing lately. Um, fudge, uh, I'm gonna—I'm gonna say um, least expensive. Yes. Um, I'm gonna say the Ultima is least expensive.
1: All right. How about
3: you, Damon? Uh, I had Jill's exact same line of thinking, so I will agree with her on this one you are both wrong but it's close <laughs> ah it's oh. so close
1: that you should be mad at me um the ultima comes in at oh 20, we are 25 good good no no that's good the ultima is 25 225 the optima is 24 355 so jill has won. there's no point in going to the bonus question but guess what
2: we're gonna do it anyway just we're just real just just,
3: re- just really quick tom do could I possibly get extra credit for my Optima Ultima Ultima Optima joke? You can get one point. Okay, I'm still losing, but yeah, so I appreciate you can, that.
1: You can't win really, but you can theoretically tie just based on total questions, so you have to get the next question. and the next question is super easy. Uh, uh-huh mm. Okay, bonus question time. Oh, this will go to Damon first. Damon, which of the following is not ranked among the best cigars under $5, according to (laughs) FamousSmoke.com? Under $5, okay. Yes, best cigars under $5, according to FamousSmoke.com. One of these is fake. Is it the Arturo Fuente Cuban Corona, the Charter Oak Rothschild, the Alec Bradley Project 40 Toro, or the Happy Stallion Red Leaf Stinger?
3: So I'm sorry. What? What do I have? So there's two. You, you've made up a fake one, and I have to say, I yeah. obviously have to not choose the fake one and guess which real one is cheapest or which one no, got no, the no. best. No, no, so this is just from the list of best cigars,
1: one of these is fake.
3: Okay. So, so I'm picking what was chosen as the best.
1: Yeah. If it matters, I'm dying to read the list again.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, then go to
1: you it. <laughs> okay, is it the Arturo Fuente Cuban uh Cuban Corona, the Charter Oak Rothschild, the Alec Bradley Project 40 Toro, or the Happy Stallion Redleaf Stinger?
3: I think that last one is the fake, uh and I'm going to guess that that first one, the Cuban one is the the winner. Okay
1: wait wait well
2: i'm so, confused. okay you're
1: fake is okay happy stallions are fake okay jill
3: yeah i'm just that if you can give me another bonus point for correctly guessing the fake one that would be yeah. my choice but well, the that one that, that in. i think is
1: we're guessing the fake <laughs> so your vote is it uh can
2: oh I phone okay a well
3: yeah
1: <laughs> jill did
2: did you, did you give away the answer no. by saying okay um no. can i phone a friend no um dang it um so full disclosure here and i know i'm going to totally get it wrong but my grandfather actually owned a cigar store oh Uh, oh wow and i know uh once once upon a time and i'm going to totally um not do justice to uh joe's cigar store um by probably not getting this right so um because i know you really enjoy this could you read them one more time
1: yeah, one of these was never sold at Joe's cigar store because it didn't exist. <laughs> yes. Which one of these is fake? Is it the Arturo Fuente Cuban Corona, the Charter Oak Rothschild, the Alec Bradley Project Forty Toro, or finally the Happy Stallion Redleaf Stinger?
2: Um, I'm going to go with the Arturo Fuente Corona.
1: Good guess. I'm going to yeah. no.
2: <sighs>
1: go ahead. What were you going to say, Damon? <laughs> Nothing.
3: Cause no, he was going to change uh,
2: his answer and, and, <laughs> and that's not fair. And now he's probably going to get it right.
3: <laughs> well, no, I oh, guess I'm now, now I'm sticky. I, I, my original answer with the fake was the happy stallion or whatever, but I yeah. have a feeling now that that's, just weird enough, that that's just weird enough to exist.
1: No, the happy stallion is the fake. Uh, oh, so, <laughs> excellent. So at this point, Damon, you have won uh, as many questions, but you did not win the quiz.
3: Yes.
2: So.
1: All right. Congratulations, Jill. Your 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 copy of the quiz is in the mail. Woohoo! All right. Hey, Damon. Yes. Damon, what's going on at the CG Daily Drive blog?
3: Uh, we've got some great test vehicle reviews this week. Uh, You know, all the coronavirus stuff seems to have kind of delayed the influx of 2021 models into the press fleet. Uh, So we've only seen a handful of 2021 so far, and, and certainly that'll be ramping up soon uh, but one of the ones we have had so far is a, a facelifted version uh mildly refreshed version of volkswagen's largest suv that's the 2021 volkswagen atlas we had a v6 sel premium model that we did a full road test on so we've got that up there uh, another uh, a completely new for 2020 suv and the compact in the premium compact category we've got the mercedes-benz glb 250 uh notable for being a compact suv very compact end of the compact suv category but they've managed to squeeze a nominal third row seat into this vehicle as an option uh the test vehicle we have We had didn't have it uh but the in looking at the wheelbase you can see that uh you know if you need something with a small exterior size but you've got i would say very small kids because i think that's all that's going to fit in that third row seat (laughs) kind of an interesting option and and something that uh, stands out in that premium compact category and then finally uh for test drive reviews we've we had a 2020 ram 2500 with the big old cummins uh 6.7 liter diesel six cylinder engine uh with an amazing i think that's like 850 pound feet of torque uh and like all those big heavy it should be enough yes uh (laughs) and like all those big heavy duty (laughs) diesels uh it's a ninety three hundred dollar option for the the engine alone so um ends up being a pricey vehicle but like most of the rams we've driven uh they're almost like luxury cars inside Mm -hmm. with just the level of interior trim and the uh luxury features they have so yeah these workhorses that rival luxury cars is uh pretty uh, a trend that certainly continues in this uh laramie crew cab diesel is a good example of that yeah Mm-hmm. um and then uh, the last uh, article uh, oh actually i should mention too uh, we had a, a steve and johnny road test our radio friend steve and johnny they do video road tests and we published uh, one of their video reviews of a another premium compact suv that's the lexus nx 300 f sport so uh, that's up you can watch that steve and johnny video and then finally uh, tom you came up with a great concept for uh Ad gallery, and that is cowboys in classic <laughs> car ads. That's a very uh, time-honored theme uh, to show new car, have new car ads that have the romance and glamour of the old west. So you've got an interesting uh, gallery of those car ads, and yeah. and they're
2: probably all smoking the Happy <laughs> Red Redley, <laughs> exactly, oh, Redley Stinger. Exactly, the Redley
3: Stinger the
1: happy stallion singer. i'm buying you all one of those yeah
2: awesome
3: you've got me curious now jill is uh, given that these are old ads i'm looking for instances of smoking and i'm not seeing cigarettes in any of these ads while you look for
1: tobacco i have to mention that we are completely flat out of time (laughs) I don't know how we did it, but we burned through another hour. Thanks again, guys. Uh, This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Special thanks to Yuval Steinman and the good folks at Hyundai. That was a great conversation. Uh, Co-host Jill, co-host Damon, thanks for being here today. Special thanks to producer Matt and the good folks here at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. As always, thanks to my radio mentors, Steve and Johnny. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff uh, Podcast. Let's talk more about cars next week.